Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for another of the most scintillating hour in finance radio. And like I was telling our friends on KTTH, I'm coming in hot today. I'm fired up. I, and, and, and I'm not really sure why. You ever hear that song, the, the Cowboy and Me, Tim McGraw, college song. It says, sometimes I just wake up fighting mad is one of the lines in it. That's kind of where I'm at today. And it's not going to be vociferous. I'm not going to attack you. I just, guys, I have something in my brain, something in my makeup that just recoils and and gets angry and irritated at nonsense. I guess you could say I suffer. I don't suffer fools. And it doesn't mean that I can't, that I'm mad at people that disagree with me. I'm mad at people that are speaking knowing, well, that are speaking confidently from a position of ignorance because when you're ignorant, you, 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 to some degree, you know that. And anytime you're talking on a subject where you haven't done su- sufficient research, in my opinion, you have absolutely no business speaking in the public forum with any sense of authority because all you're going to do is obfuscate facts and confuse people and probably confuse yourself. But, you know, we live in a culture today where obviously that doesn't stop anybody. Everybody's got a microphone and everybody's opinion matters. Well, nonsense. Most people's opinions don't matter in any given topic because they're not experts. And yet, like I said, that doesn't stop them from talking about it. So to help us sort this out, and, 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 the, and there's several different things that have me tuned up. But one of them that I am referring to at this moment is all this talk of price gouging. Now, why am I ticked off? Is it because I'm a defender of the oil companies? No, not at all. I'm ticked off because it's nonsensical. And every single time somebody promulgates or pushes out that type of thinking, you get us further and further away from actual solutions. Okay. And anybody making that argument, let me just tell you right now, factually, I'm going to state it very plainly and clearly. Anybody who is advancing that price gouging narrative has absolutely no clue what they're talking about. And rather than just saying that anecdotally and walking away and dropping the mic and going, yeah, so I told you, we're going to walk through the facts and we're going to be joined by Chase Taylor and Josh Young. Chase obviously been on the show many times, Pinecone Macro Research, joining us full time here in about the next eight months. And then Josh Young runs Bison Interests, an energy oil focused hedge fund based out of Houston. I think Josh has put up something like, I think he's right around like 400% returns in the last two years or something. And, and it's not just the returns. I mean, they're obviously impressive, but it's the amount of research and the amount of knowledge that he has compiled. I, I don't really, I don't think that there's anybody that works harder or grinds harder on the research side to understand what's happening in that field more than Josh does. And then Chase is our guy that we go to for macro information. So uh, we are going to end the episode with about a 12 to 15 minute part of that of that interview, uh, which is more than we typically run of the interviews because I think this is such an important topic. And I think it's so important out there for those of us that like reality. And, and, and guys, energy reality is what it is. It really doesn't have a political uh, a leaning to it. I mean, you know, all kinds of politics gets added into that debate, but we, you need to, we, we need to look at ener- whether you're for, you know, global warming or you think it's nonsense. We, it doesn't matter. The world needs these, needs these things at present. They just do. And we need enough of them, obviously, or there's really bad consequences like food shortages and inability to heat our home and, you know, drastically rising costs for families and all that stuff that we know. But one of the things I love about talking about commodities and talking about energy is these things don't care about what your view is politically, right? We need to look at it like a doctor, just looking at a scenario And figuring out what the issue is, where the potential is, you know what I mean? Just looking at it in an unbiased way, because I can promise you those commodities 
and oil and that guy, they don't care about your political sensibilities, but you need them. And so I think it's really important to address this issue on the show, clear up some misconceptions. And uh, we're going to do that. As always, it's a, it's a long form interview. We go about 65, 70 minutes to hear the rest of it. You can log on to the interview and, and we'll do it that way. But anyway, let's get into the market update. So uh, ugly week, um, crazy week, interesting week. And uh, obviously it starts with the Federal Reserve. Um, you had a 75 basis point hike on Wednesday. Uh, the largest hike since 94. Last I checked, 30-year mortgage hit 7.1. I'm relying on anecdotal evidence. My, my analyst mentioned that to me. So if I'm off, I don't know. Um, if I'm off, I, I, I may be. But you, you're somewhere right in there. Um, guys, here's the deal. We've talked about real estate uh, for a long time. I saw a video put out by Dave Ramsey. Uh, I think he put it out in the last day or so saying that house prices are not going to go down. And he cites a bunch of, um, uh, you know, market information, you know, uh, lack of uh, uh, inventory, um, some demographic issues about people of home buying ages and how they need to buy. Look, listen, guys, I really respect Dave Ramsey. I'm not sure outside of Jack Bogle that there's anybody that has done more for people on a financial basis in terms of educating and, and helping than Dave Ramsey. So this is not reflective. I'm I'm an admirer of his work, and I think he's helped out an enormous amount of people, including people that I know and family members of mine. Um, I think he's a I, – I, I, yeah, anyway, I, I have nothing bad to say about him personally. The comments he made about housing were reckless because he is completely wrong. And I have told you guys all along that I wasn't nearly as worried about housing as I was the stock market. Okay, guys, seven months ago, you could get a 30-year mortgage for right around 3%. Now it's 7.1%. Whether you know it or not, the housing market has stopped dead cold, okay? Prices have already started to come down. How do I know this? Well, A, you can talk to realtors, you can look at Zillow, and you can see price estimates already starting to be reduced or or asking prices already being reduced. And guys, this is really simple. And I've said this on the show many times. Somebody responded to me and goes, Zach, well, six, you know, six and a half percent mortgage payment or interest rate, you know, historically that's pretty good. Yeah, you're right, but you're not looking at the setup. Okay, you effectively, I believe that move right there, if you go out and buy a house today versus seven months ago, the increase in interest rates makes about an 80% increase on the mortgage payment. If you think that's not going to slow down or stop the housing market or at least require uh, uh, prices to pull back in a commensurate fashion to the increase in rates, you're out of your mind. And, and it's one of the most frustrating parts about this job that I understand because early in my career, I thought similarly. But when you're looking at financial markets, you guys, you need to start with interest rates. You need to start with currencies. Why? Because they are the foundational basis for everything that happens. And when interest rates go up, the cost of money goes up. Right? The reason the Federal Reserve is hiking rates is to slow the economy. That's the other thing I think is funny. People are like, well, we might have... Guys, bake it into the cake. It's started. And I don't even care if they show positive or negative uh, uh, GDP growth prints. Okay, let's say we quote-unquote bounce back and we go from negative growth in the fourth quarter and we turn to nominal growth in the second... Or excuse me, in in the first quarter and we return to nominal growth in the second quarter... Let's say the economy grew at a 2% clip. You've got 8% inflation. Economy grows by 2%, costs rise by 8 I mean, it may not be the technical definition of a recession, but I can guarantee you this. It's going to feel like it, and it's going to cause a recession. Why? Because it's going to cause layoffs. Okay, so from my perspective, again, looking at the global backdrop, looking at the dollar, looking at crude, guys, if you're wondering whether there's going to be a recession— A, I will tell you that I very much believe it's already started. And if it hasn't, this absolutely leads to a recession. There's no avoiding it until some of these factors change. And personally, I think it's baked into the cake. I don't think you get out of this without a recession. It should probably be a pretty nasty one. So if you're wondering if this is a great time to step in and buy a house, no. Completely disregard the the advice you're getting from uh, Dave Ramsey. With all due respect. Love the guy as a human being, okay? Those statements were reckless, and they were horribly, 
I, I, I don't understand how you think the cost of something can rise by 80% in the course of eight, seven, six, seven, eight months and that there won't be an impact on the end market. I'm telling you right now, you're having a wily coyote moment right now in real estate. It, it is, it has stopped. Watch prices are going to come. It, I, it just, again, it continues to amaze me how many people disregard interest rates and currencies. Well, look at the supply and demand. That's all the only thing that affects housing. That's what he said in the video. What, what impacts housing is supply and demand. Nonsense. What impacts housing, like every other thing that is bought and sold, is the price of that thing. And the price of that thing just rose 80%. Walk me through how that doesn't hurt housing. And I told, like I said, I told you guys all, I wasn't worried about housing because I didn't think that they would hike this aggressively. Now that they have, guys, I, I mean, again, I don't think you're looking any, at anything like, you know, uh, you know, 08, 09. But I mean, it, it just houses can't go up. And that's a bold statement I'm making. I'm just telling you, it, it's, I just think it's laughable to, to make a statement like that. I mean, wait, what other good, what other product in the world can you increase the cost of it 80% and not see a pullback in demand? I, I have no idea what these people are talking about. But what, what you're seeing in the market, and I'm going to make another statement. One of the things that I get asked all the time by listeners and even by our clients is, you know, how much worse can this get? Do you think we're close to a bottom? Let me kind of lay out where I think we're at. I don't really think we have seen a stock market drop at this point. When I look at the market, and more importantly, when I look at the valuations of the market, now forget, let, well, let's start there. We'll get to the valuations and the setup, the structural setup, setup, and then we'll look at the behavior. Um, the reason why I say I don't think you've seen a market drop right here is because I think all you've seen is the stock market repricing according to higher interest rates. What have I told you guys all along? Interest rates go up, valuations come down. And, and, and it usually isn't, you know, perfect, but generally speaking, and, and not really generally, almost universally speaking, interest rates go up, prices go down. And especially in stock market valuations, just because your discount rate is going to get higher, therefore you've got to, you know, lower the value of, a, of, a, of an asset out into the future. You know, because like I've said before, if you can make, let's see, you know, if you can make 3.5% on a U.S. 10-year bond, which I think right now you're at 3.3, rates have really jumped. If you can make that, you're not going to take a bunch of risks to make 5% in the stock, right? That expected return on that stock needs to be high enough to justify the increased risk you're taking owning an equity versus owning a bond. And that's just, that's finance 101, right? So, so all I think you've seen here, let's put it, people are like, oh, but it's been so bad. Guys, it really hasn't. The S&P is 24% off an all-time high, and that all-time high was baked by one of the most explosive runs in stocks over a short period of time, i.e. the COVID run, right? And how was it, what, what was the birthplace of that? What was the origin story of that? It was the greatest giveaway in, of, of, and wealth transfer in history. You're printing between six to seven trillion and dropping it right in the market. Why do people expect that to last? I, I've been scratching my head all year long at these people talking about a return to highs. And I go, based on what? Right? You, you, you ramped this thing on cocaine and you just pulled the, you just pulled the plug. It, it's very, it's, it, I mean, it just makes mathematical sense to me. This thing needs to go down. So I will just tell you, um, and, and to put it in perspective, let me, let me lay this out for you. The NASDAQ was right around 8,000, is 8,300, something like that, going January 1 of 2020. Okay, now think about the state of the economy in January 1, 2020. Think about the government balance sheet. Think about the Fed's balance sheet. Think about interest rates. Think about employment. Think about debt loads. Virtually every aspect of the economy was stronger in January 1, 2020 than it is now. Right? Maybe some of the metrics weren't, but in terms of you know, the economic backdrop, the price of the dollar, the price of crude, right? I don't think anybody would argue that the economy and the markets were much healthier January 1, 2020, okay? So here we are, rates are going up fast, biggest rate increase since 94. The economy is slowing. I mean, 
it is slowing rapidly. Okay. Earnings are coming down. All that stimulus has been withdrawn. There is no more quantitative easing. Not yet. Not right now. Anyway. Okay. I think if you roll the NASDAQ down to 82, 8,300, where it was January 1st, 2020, that seems really reasonable. It just, right. It just seems reasonable. And more importantly, that would be basically a 50% pullback overall, but I, it would make a whole lot of sense, right? And, and, and here's the other thing. I think that that would be a really good outcome. Why? Because the economy is moving the other way. Earnings are contracting. They were growing, substantially. you know, they were still going, they were still at close to record highs in January 1, 2020, right? So, are, are we done yet? Guys, I don't even really think it started. And the reason I'm saying that is because, you know, if you told me, okay, Zach, the Fed is going to go from 0% interest rates to 1.5 to 1.75 is the range, I think, currently. And that's what they stated their range is. If you just told me that, I would expect a 15 to maybe 25% pullback in the S&P. Well, here we are. What, S&P is down 23%, something like that? That makes perfect sense. So everybody's like, oh, the market's plummeting. I don't think so. To me, it looks like this, the market prices are just adjusting to higher rates. Why is that scary? Because the economic backdrop is so bad, right? So that hasn't even started getting priced in yet. You go talk to retailers. Go listen to the historic inventory builds. You're going to start seeing these guys laying off people right and left. You're going to see fire sales of inventory because they've got to convert it to cash. I was speaking to a client of mine that um, is basically one of the heads of acquisition and inventory management at a very big retailer. I'm not going to name who it was. They actually had to rent out a giant extra warehouse to park their excess inventory. And she said, Zach, I've been doing this for a really long time. She goes, I know what's coming. We've gonna, we're have, we have, we're going to have major layoffs and we're going to have to fire sale a lot of this inventory and take substantial losses. And she goes, and she said, you know, talking to my friends in the industry, all the big retailers, name them, Walmart, Target, you name them. She goes, we're all dealing with the same thing. And she goes, so yeah, we, you know, we're watching our stocks get hit, but you know, this really is not, this is really not, the, the stocks are not at all baking in what is coming down the pipe. And the Fed is sitting there saying they're going to hike more. So no, are we at a bottom? And look, I, I, you guys know me. I'm honest. I'm transparent. I'm going to give it to you straight. Nobody knows for sure. I don't even really think the fun has gotten started yet. I think all you've done it so far is priced in rates. You have not priced in dropping earnings. How do I know that? S&P right now is still trading right at 20 times earnings. Okay, that is with an anomalous blowout earnings in fourth quarter of last year. You let that quarter roll off, which I've said on the show before, you let that quarter roll off. Okay, I, and I haven't done the math on that, but you're probably looking at a market that's actually valued at somewhere around 23 to 24 times earnings. Okay, long-term average is 16. Where are earnings headed? They're going down. So if you think that this market has bottomed, what you're making the argument for is that, and I mean, and again, I, potentially I could be wrong, but guys, everything you look at, earnings are going down. So if you think we've bottomed, what that means is you think profitability of firms is going to drop, and yet the valuation of those companies is going to get larger, right? Because if their earnings are dropping and their stock stays in the same place, that means that their valuation has to be going up. Let me just give you a hint valuations do not go up while earnings are going down. So I'm not being a chicken little saying, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. What I'm saying is, is that economic weakness, I'm just telling you, it's just not priced into this market. This is just rates. This is just rates. And the economic weakness is coming. We all sense it. And one of the reasons I bring that up is one of the things I am hearing increasingly, and I've said this last week, I'm here. Well, you know, I just don't know if I should make the jump now because, you know, I'm down and I want to see things recover. If you got 10 years, you sit there and you hold those. But for those of you that are close to retirement, guys, and you were to ask me, Zach, do I sit here and wait? I'd be like, look, what, what I think you should do, obviously, and I'm biased. Like I say, what I think you should do is get with somebody that actually knows how to manage risk like us that can protect you because 
Do we want to be invested right now? Yes, I do because of the incredible opportunities I see out there. But those opportunities are not in the general stock market. And if you're close to retirement, quite honestly, and I'm not giving anybody advice, if you're within two to three years of retirement, I'd rather see you sit in cash, even in this inflationary environment. This backdrop is that ugly. And, and, And I don't know everything. And I'll be the first to tell you that much. The other problem you've got, and I was explaining this to a client, I go, look, you, you want to, you're thinking about staying in your portfolio because you're afraid it might come back. You might miss out on those gains. He goes, yeah. And I go, you're in a conservative portfolio. Yeah, yeah, I'm conservative. And I go, yeah, your portfolio is down slightly more than the S&P. I go, what does that mean? It's the defensive aspect of your portfolio bonds is getting slaughtered just as bad as stocks are. Don't make a move or not make an investment move because you think stocks might bounce back or stocks might go down. What you need to be doing, guys, if you're sitting in one of those stock bond portfolios, what you need to do, the reason you need to move is because the structure of your portfolio is flawed. Your defense is losing just as much or worse than your offense. You need to recognize you have a problem. You need to recognize that you have a portfolio built specifically for a, a, a for de, a, a, an environment with declining interest rates. You're going to continue to get slaughtered. I'm just telling you. And you, people are like, what do you think is going to happen? I go, look, it's going to be like everything else. People are going to overstay their welcome. They're going to keep trying to buy the dips and this ridiculous stuff that's still way overpriced. And they're going to get smashed. You're going to see people have to delay retirement for another five years. And they're going to look back and go, Well, I was waiting for things to bounce back. And you know what? A lot of it probably will. The question is how long? If you you made that decision in the peak of the dot-com bubble in 2000, you had to wait 14 years to see new highs. Guys, that's more than half of the average retirement. I just, there's so much recklessness and there is such bad investing going on. And the idea that charlatans out there are still using bonds as a way to sterilize the risk in the equity side of your portfolio, it's insanity. If you recognize that insanity and you're sitting in one of those portfolios and you're watching your quote unquote conservative retirement portfolio get lit up this year, guys, call us or call somebody, please. Get out of this portfolio before you get completely smoked. I've been telling you this was coming for six and a half years. I'm not saying that because going. Hey, I know everything. You got to come to me. I'm saying it is a warning. There, there's just no upside to this portfolio. You're going to continue to get smashed. And it is going to compromise your retirement. Don't let it. There is a better way. We can drastically reduce your risk, get you in safer, higher yielding, higher, much higher upside investments rather than bonds that are safer, that cost less. And you can get in our risk managed portfolios that are bumping right around. I think, I think our two portfolios combined are about two and a half down, two and a half, three percent on the year. Some are right in there. Average clients bumping right around flat on the year altogether. That's what a retirement portfolio should look like. Every time you get one of these market freakouts or economic activities, it shouldn't put your retirement in doubt. Call us, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at at KYR Radio. Got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? ironically bonds really why because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates it's likely to create some serious inflation and inflation crushes bonds if your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds you may need a bond replacement strategy now get our free booklet common sense investing to learn about bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss but still seek market gains our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost call now for your free 
free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. All right. So I want to get into the outrage part. <laughs> the outrage part of the uh, of the episode today. Um and and we're going to and we're going to address this much more extensively in the interview I do with Josh and Chase. So for more of the data, more of the particulars, you'll find that in the actual interview itself. But I've got to address this price gouging. I all of a sudden, and this is like the social media phenomenon, right? It's not new. We all know that. But everybody is an expert on every topic. I was sitting there reading tweets by a minister that was talking about price gouging. Um, and it, what I think is funny about this, and I think if we want to really know the truth, right? And guys, this does not come from a political point of view, in case you didn't know that. And in case you didn't know that, if you've listened to me long enough, you would hear me describe myself as politically homeless. I think both parties have become completely dysfunctional. And I think together, it's almost a 0% chance that they can address any of the real issues in this country. I wouldn't say zero. I said almost zero. Because what I'm all about is the facts. Don't tell me what you think. Don't tell me how it feels. Like my college football coach used to say, I don't want to hear about the labor. Just show me the baby, right? What are the facts? This talk about price gouging is laughable. And anybody you hear saying it, they are A, a complete charlatan and have no clue what they're talking about, or B, they're being disingenuous for political bends or political ends would be a better way to put it. It really is that simple. There is no such thing as price gouging. These people don't set the price. The market sets the price. If you want to know why oil is high, global demand has continued to grow and we haven't invested in it in 12 years. Plain and simple, full stop. Why isn't it getting alleviated or addressed? Because the current administration did not cause this problem. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tick off some people on the right. I don't think Joe Biden has a big part to play in the current levels of inflation. I think he overstimulated, especially that last round of stimulation was over the top. But he didn't create this energy problem. I don't think he's responsible for lion's share of the inflation. I will say that they've done absolutely nothing to address it. And every actions they have taken have only, and not in a big way, but have exacerbated the issues. But guys, it's this simple. First of all, let's deal with the issue of price gouging. Is that happening? Again, what I was saying is I think one of the big tells about how much nonsense this is, is think about where the blame has been placed. At first, it wasn't the refiners we were blaming. It was Putin. Then we started blaming the oil producers. Now we've moved on to the refiners. You're seeing a pattern here? This is a blame game, and it's all about political expediency. This isn't factual. Nobody's addressing the underlying issues. This is all political nonsense. Kabuki theater. And like I said, you, you just if you don't agree with me, you're just not paying attention to the facts, the, right? The target keeps moving. One day it's the producers. One day it's Putin. One day it's the refund. Which one is it? Is it a collusion? Is the CEO of Exxon and Chevron in bed with the guys that are refining it, like Dutch Shell, and then they're in cahoots with Putin? I mean, this, is, this sounds like, a, like a, a children's spy movie that my kids watch. Guys, this is outside of the dollar market. I think global energy markets are the biggest markets in the world. These producers have very minimal, if any, impact on the price. If you want to put on pr- price controls... Or if you want to put on, quote unquote, windfall profits taxes, that might sound good to you. Get ready to pay more at the pump. It's really that simple. People go, well, why wouldn't that incentivize them to drill? Hold on a second. What you're telling me is if you put on an additional tax, right, on on, on the production of oil, 
You think that these quote-unquote greedy oil companies are going to produce more? Why would they do that? What other world do we live Where is this fictional world we live in where we increase the cost to operate in an industry and you see increased output? I mean, that's an it. I mean, if that works somewhere, I'd be fascinated to see it because it violates pretty much every economic law that I know of. So not only should you combat that when you hear it, just for the edification of those you're talking to so people are educated. More importantly, the longer you hear this narrative being put out there, the longer you know we've got to deal with higher energy prices. Because as long as you're talking about this, um, you're not addressing the issue. More importantly, you haven't even properly defined it. This is complete scapegoating for political ends. It's complete nonsense. I heard somebody the other day trying to blame the energy situation on Trump. Again, on a factual level, you just heard me say I don't. the vast majority of the blame doesn't lie on Biden's plate. The energy, and, and, and that's what irritates me in this country, and it's not new. I understand it's politics. I get it. I, it's not my first rodeo. But this is the thing that is so frustrating to me in this country, and this is what's become all too, all too common. Everything is used as a political football, and no issues get addressed. The energy issue doesn't lie on one party's lap or the other's. Right? This is a structural issue. I think it has a lot to do with artificially low interest rates in the Federal Reserve creating a misallocation of capital and that the energy industry wasn't invested in. I think it has a lot to do with the ESG movement, which I think is just basically covered up fraud. I think it has a lot to do with the excitement around new technologies and battery-powered cars and things like that. But th- this is a systemic issue that, that really span- that, 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 that a lot of people have a part to play in. And we're not even clearly defining the problem. We're scapegoating. We're looking to score political points. So I'll just tell you this. If you want to know how bad it can get and how long it can last, that is a direct correlation with as long as you hear this nonsense keep getting getting filtered out there. And then being repeated like an echo chamber by those on social media and those in the, in, in, those in the media. And, and one of the things I want to say, if you've been listening to the show for any given time, you know that we've been slamming the desk on energy for over a year. If this is all about price gouging, how in the world do you think guys like me were pounding the table saying you got to buy energy? Because there's a shortfall. Production isn't keeping up with demand. It's that simple. So taxing production ain't going to fix a thing. And as a matter of fact, now we're seeing oil getting hit hard today, which is kind of normal. And, and, and as a side note, guys, you need to be very careful. You've heard me talking about these stocks. They've all run a lot. You need to be very careful here because what's happening to oil stocks right now isn't surprising. It's not fundamental. In a way, it's kind of exciting because I'm sitting there going, okay, oil drops 7 to 10%. So people are like, oh, I got to sell my oil stocks. I sit there and go, if that's your answer, you don't know what oil stocks you own. At these prices, these things are already basically pricing in 60 to $70 oil. They're that cheap. So part of me is licking my chops going, holy smokes, these people are going to give us another shot at this stuff this cheap, which I'd love another opportunity to load up the truck on this stuff. Um, but you need, to be, you need to be cautious. Because energy right now is responding to that rate hike like tech will. You know, today the Nasdaq's up 1.5. That's another anomaly in the market. You know why I don't think we're anywhere close to the bottom? Until the dip buyers quit coming in here and trying to bid up tech stocks that are still trading at 10 to 15 times revenue in a rising interest rate environment with declining revenues and declining earnings. Not all of them, but most of them. As long as investors keep trying to buy that dip, that just tells you we're not at a bottom yet. And I, I, I just think there's a lot more pain. I think there's a lot more pain coming in tech. I think there's a lot more pain coming in crypto. And you need to be prepared for it. And most of you, again, sitting at home with your mutual funds and your stock bond allocations, you're levered up in tech and you're levered up in bonds. 
and the beatings will improve or the beatings will continue until morale improves. This ain't going nowhere. And guys, like I said, you know, and that's the other thing we, people are like, whoa, I got to stay in this stuff because it bounces back. And I'm scratching my head going, Hey, Hey, Hey pal. Last year was a good year in the market, wasn't it? And he's like, yeah, I, I was up 12%. And I go, okay, well, our client's version of a 60-40, right? Your 60-40 was up 12. This, I don't know if all of yours were, but I think it's about average. But he said he was up about 11.5% in his 60-40 portfolio last year. Market was up 26. And I go, our 60-40 portfolio was up 15. We're, we're, we're not managing risk, asking you to sit on the sidelines and be safe, right? And freaking out and you're going to miss the run-up. More than likely, if there is a stock market recovery, which I think the chances are slim to none, I mean, back to the highs anyway. If there is a recovery, the portfolio we've got our clients in actually has more equity upside. It's just got way less risk to the downside. And for those of you that have been, again, if you're approaching retirement, you should be in the kind of portfolio that our clients are. Where our average client's bumping right around zero on the year. If they have our full portfolio, I think our stock portfolios are down about 3.5% so far this year. Maybe four, right in there. We got hit kind of hard by this oil pullback. But we've been lower at one point this year. We're just still kind of bouncing around this up five, down five range. And that's kind of what we've been doing all year long. Why? Because there's a lot of risk. And so we have a lot of protection in the portfolio. But that's how a retirement portfolio should work. When we go through an event like this, like we're seeing here with violent markets, it should be barely a disruption to you. Why? Because you're retired. Guys, there is a better way to do this. Do not sit there and take what's coming right on the chin. And if it's not us, be somebody else. And I mean that earnestly. This isn't about trying to scare people into calling us. Some people out there, like myself, actually care about the results of people that aren't even our clients. And if you've listened to the show long enough, you know some of the tips I've given out. If it was all about business, I wouldn't say those things. You know, I'm just saying, protect yourself, guys. This ain't getting better, and in my opinion, it's nowhere close to being done. And if you don't know what that means, don't just sit there frozen. Okay? Rate... I'm just telling you, I, the, it's, it's nasty. And all, is there going to be a recession? I think we've already started it. And like I said, even if it's not a technical recession where you actually get negative GDP, which I don't see how you don't. But if you're growing at 1.5% to 2% with 8% inflation, may not be a technical recession, but it sure is going to feel like one. It's going to result in unemployment. Like I said earlier on the show, the recession will come if these conditions, even if we're not in one right now, and maybe I'm wrong. But if we're not, the conditions, the situation, the setup in this underlying market, it will cause one. And like I said, I think we've already started. And guys, you, like I said, it was like, well, I got to get back what I made. You need to step back and realize that you're at the end of the largest bull market in U.S. history. Okay. And all you've done essentially is wipe out the last 13 months worth of gains. And people think the pain is over. Guys, wake up. I told you to get out of bonds. Rates are going up. Where are we? I told you about energy about to boom. I told you going into this year, tech is going down. We've established our credibility. You need risk management. This is not a time to sit there and freeze up. Well, I just, my advisor told me to stuck with it. If you're down that much, what are you paying the guy for? Our clients know why they're paying us. They're paying us because the market's down 23%. Bonds are down virtually the same amount. And our average client, our average retirement portfolio is bumping right around zero. That's how it should work. And by the way, that same portfolio beat the average stock and bond portfolio last year. Like I've said, less risk, less cost, more upside. I just, I don't understand why people stick with these portfolios. And, they go, was it, and somebody goes, Zach, what do you mean? Isn't there a different way to do it? And I go, yeah, but, but my whole point is, if we're wrong and everything's fine, and ask yourself if you really think that's the case. Is everything fine? Maybe you think so. Okay, but if everything's fine, both portfolios are going to make money and ours will make more over time. You know, I can't, you know, it's, I don't want to make absolute statements here. But if we're right, and most of you agree with me, even though you're still sitting in those portfolios, if we're right... You might make some money with us, but you certainly won't have a messed up retirement. 
flip over to the portfolio you currently have, it could ruin you. The losses that you've seen so far are just the beginning, in my opinion. So you got to assess it. Well, you know, either way, our clients are going to be good. I'm not saying I guarantee gains, but the way we set it up, it's not possible for catastrophic loss. They're good either way. You're sitting there hoping for some kind of stock market economic miracle, probably because you're anesthetized by the bounce back you saw coming out of COVID, and you're forgetting that all that was was just $6.5 trillion being pumped into the market. And when the Fed is raising rates like this, it is the reverse. They're pulling money out. That's why capital and liquidity receptacles, which is what I refer to crypto, that's why they're getting smoked. There's just less money floating around. Wake up. There's a better way. Call us, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Guys, we just lay it out for you. We show you the performance of the portfolios. We tell you how we'd like to put it together. We consult with you to figure out what your needs are, tell you what the cost is. Boom, there you go on your way. If you'd ever call us again, so what? At least you educated yourselves. But there is a better way, and it's just your financial future that hangs in the balance. Do not get stuck. Do not be a deer in headlights. We've been telling you this is coming for years. It is move. Act. This is not the time to be deer in headlights. This is your financial future. Again, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Got to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with a portion of the interview that we did with Josh Young and Chase Taylor. Won't want to miss it. We're going to talk about price gouging and the real setup inside of the energy industry. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Dory Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And... uh, this is this is a little bit different. So th- this will be our interview for the week, and we actually have two guests uh, on right now. And uh, thank them both for doing it. it. It was last minute, and they were kind enough to agree to jump on. And um, we're, we're going to do an extended interview, but we're only going to air about mm, ten to 10, twelve to fifteen minutes of this on the actual show. But the reason we're going to have that 10 to or 12 to 15 minutes on the show is, A, we, we really want to take this opportunity to educate people and, and so they can better understand what is currently going on, especially as it relates to energy markets. There is so much misinformation out there and so little understanding. And I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. I don't mean it, you know, uh, uh, with a finger pointed at all. I just mean that there is a lot of ignorance, just simple ignorance, just not understanding how oil markets work, how refineries work, how gasoline gets priced. Um, and I, I, I fear that we're letting, and you know, this has got a long way to go, obviously, still, but I feel that we're letting those responsible off the hook when we're having all this price gouging and all this other kind of discussion. So to put that issue to rest... Uh, and and to explain to people what is actually going on, we're we're lucky enough to be joined today by Chase Taylor, my 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 maven of macro. Uh, many been on the show many times, but Chase, thanks so much for joining us today, man. Yeah, always a pleasure. Glad to be on. Thanks. You bet. And then also Josh Young, 
the CEO, proprietor of Bison Interests. We've had Josh on. He's been on CNBC, Bloomberg. He's been all over the place. Um, he's having an incredible run um, in energy markets. And, and again, we, I think we just had him on a month, month and a half ago. So, Josh, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me back. You bet. And, and so, guys, we'll just kick it off really quick. First, Josh, I'd like to start with you on this one. Can, can you just and we'll kind of get into the finer points as it regards to all this discussion about price gouging and what did what did one of them call them? Uh, illit, not, it wasn't illicit, but extreme profits or something like this. Um, just would you briefly explain to us how oil and distillates get priced and uh, and then and then you know kind of lay out how that all works and then we can get into the price gouging discussion but just just for the edification of the listeners can you explain to them how that global market works it's a it's a funny day for this uh, topic because uh, oil is getting taken to the woodshed <laughs> and oil and gas equities are crashing and so uh, you mentioned excess profits and you know it's hard to not think about there being a risk premium associated with Investing in oil, producing oil, selling it. Um, so you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't not say something about that. And uh, you know, I think it's very important for this conversation because um, if there's going to be a lot of volatility, and if part of it's driven by regulation and part of it's driven by sort of government encouraged divestment, which drives extra volatility and extra price, short-term price volatility and risk. Um, you know, there have to be higher returns. And that's not excess. That's just purely super high level. If you introduce more uncertainty and more volatility, you're going to have uh, a necessary higher level of return just to make up for it, just to encourage enough investment and activity to be able to supply whatever the thing is that's necessary. And then could, well, could, couldn't agree more. Um, and then how – so – Oil, I think, I think most people have an understanding of the way that the oil market works and how it gets priced. It's a global market. It goes for what it goes for. Oil companies do not set that, uh, do not set that price. And if people don't understand that, then I, I'm not sure that we can help them because that's a pretty simple, you know, Josh, the way what I've told a couple of our clients on this topic and, and tell me if I'm right or wrong, but I'm like, guys, does does OPEC have a modicum of control on price? Sure. Uh, what is Chevron's pricing power in, the, in it, for the global oil market compared to OPEC? I mean, it's virtually non-existent, right? Yeah, yeah. And and my bad for kind of taking us off track from a from a pure sort of uh, market dynamic and price perspective. But but yeah, I mean, I think it's so interesting to see. Uh, Politicians and regulators get upset with companies that have like 2% or 3% market share max when they give passes to companies in other industries that might have 10 times or 20 times that market share. So it's just, it's a very weird thing to see people picking on Exxon or Chevron at 2 or 3% market share when, you know, XYZ tech company or other company might have, you know, 20% plus of the market. Yeah, and and uh, I don't. I didn't hear anybody calling Apple at the peak. You know, I didn't hear anybody calling uh, their profits obscene. Um, it's just it's it's funny to me how that works. Okay, so now and 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 I'm interested to pick your brain a little bit on this topic as well because I, I understand the basics, but not some of the more intricacies of it. Um, when you look at refiners today, can you walk us through what is what is creating these record profits, like the mechanics of it? What, how, how do refiners make their profits, and are they price gouging? So, so just as a caveat, I'm more focused on the upstream industry. I can explain this, but there's some risk that I might get some detail or aspect of it slightly wrong. So just okay. a, a fair, fair warning. Um, so the way refineries, <laughs> having said that, I will confidently plow ahead. So um, <laughs> the way refineries make money is, and the way their business works is basically, if you think about it as an input and output, the input is... Uh, crude oil, as well as uh, frequently some sort of power, natural gas, some other uh, inputs to, to power the process. Um, 
And then the output is gasoline and diesel, as well as um, other refined products and some, I guess, perceived waste products that can get turned into asphalt or uh, that used to get used for powering uh, ships, very heavy sort of uh, stuff that would get burned and very polluting. So the the simple way to uh, estimate refining profits is to look at the crack spread. Um, and so very high level, there's this three, two, one spread, which is um, that three barrels of oil would get turned into uh, two barrels of gasoline and one barrel of diesel. And it's not perfect. And there's some volume loss, but it's just it's a sort of industry heuristic and it, it gives you an idea of approximately what sort of the industry profits might be on the refining side. And what's kind of gotten people's attention, I think, is that you had uh, crack spreads around, let's say, $10 a barrel. So refineries making about $10 of sort of gross margin um, on their refining process from oil to their main products. And that blew out. I think the high recently was $70 a barrel. So um, similar sort of move to what you saw for uh, lumber. All right, guys, due to time constraints, we got to cut the interview off right there. But as always, you can get the rest of it at just Google Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Uh, It'll come right up. You can subscribe. The episodes will automatically be emailed to you every single week. You don't want to miss this, though. You need to get educated on the complete nonsense that all this price gouging talk is and the threat it poses to the economy. Because as long as we're talking about this, we're not dealing with the underlying problem. So if you want to be out there supporting this talk about price gouging, get ready for $10 at the pump. I mean, bottom line, until we actually deal with the issue and quit treating it like a political football, this problem gets worse by the day. So listen up, educate yourself with this interview, and send it to family and friends. Not so you can spread it around and I get more internet famous, but so people can be educated. The lack of education and knowledge on this topic is staggering, and yet it impacts all of our lives. So give it a good listen. Hope you enjoy it. We'll see you next week. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.